0: Morning. How's everybody doing? Are you enjoying um, this season? Isn't it great? The weather's like um, participating. I'm I'm really expecting uh, some snow, so I'm going to speak prophetically here for two seconds before I get into the um, my message on the fear of the Lord. Um, What you're seeing when these evangelists come up here is um, really. Uh, the second story to this house, uh, I don't know if you remember, but the prophetic this whole fall has been that uh, the, the Lord has laid the foundation of this place and he's laid the foundation in prayer and intercession and now he's really bringing the second story. And the, the second story is really a story of, of, of now that we've become houses of prayer and, um, and we're overflowing with the goodness of God, um, it's time to go out. And what we've been doing for the past seven years, whoa, okay, I'm getting mail. Um, what we've been doing for seven years is we've been digging a well. And it's a well of revival. And don't you know that, um, that the city needs to be revived? And so we want to go and encounter the city with the revival of Christ that we have on the inside of us. So uh, uh, the Lord is actually going to be bringing um, um, increase to this place. And, um, and I mean increase in every way um, with his presence and financially, and um, and so our um, heart is to um, is to bless uh, the the worshipers and the intercessors and um, the evangelist. Um, Jesus said, "My house is a house of prayer, not a house of preaching or a house of teaching, but my house is a house of prayer." And um, so, what we are going to be doing is really increasing. Um, these, these things. And, and so that's where we're going to be investing ourselves. Isn't that exciting that, that there would be a place in the city where there are intercessors that, that no evil can stand before that have the authority to, um, to loose and to bind. And then they have the authority to go out and begin to throw out the nets and bring in the harvest. Amen. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? It's a great business model. Thank you, Lord. Actually, it's not business, but whatever. It's a model of the Lord. Woo! All right, so I'm gonna pray again because um, I love to do that, and um, he's good. Am I in the middle? I'm not in the middle. Okay. Am I? No. Wait. What? Is it? Is it in the middle now? Is it in the middle? Okay, now am I in the middle? All right. (laughs) Okay, we got to have spatial reasoning, spatial perfection here so that when I go over here or when I go over here, I don't go out of the camera. So anyway, well, Lord, here, John, this is yours. Um, We just love you. We love you. You are Emmanuel, God with us, and we just remember that you came um, not um, as a king, Father, but you came as... um, as a child, you came in meekness. You came through your son, Jesus, and you came as the word um, to lift up and to encourage and to build and to establish. And so we just bless you, Jesus. And um, and we I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, be in my mouth um, and in my heart, and you would express what it is that you want to say this morning. Amen. Um. So... Uh, Last week, I talked about the fear of the Lord, the first installment. This is the second installment on the fear of the Lord. And um, when I told people that I was going to be preaching on the fear of the Lord, I actually got a fearful response. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I may be missing that one. Because everybody kind of thinks of the fear of the Lord as as kind of a bad thing, you know. And, um, and I really believe that... Um, that there has been um, some bad preaching about the fear of the Lord, um, and, and, and they 've attached a lot of legalism to it um, and and really delivered in, in more of a mean spirited way, but um, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and, um, and wisdom is really what we want and I love that uh, John Wallace, when he came uh, a couple of weeks ago and he said that he walked in the back uh, door of our place uh, or the front door excuse me and um and he said he heard the holy spirit say wisdom he stepped on our property and he heard the holy spirit say wisdom and um john and i were praying and asking the lord a couple of weeks ago we were out at the out at uh my brother's um ranch and we were just like god what do you want us to preach about the end of the year cuz god's doing something that's so very special this month. And so we are really came to him in the fear of the Lord, saying, what do you want to preach about? And he was on one side of the property, and I was on the other. And um, John heard wisdom, and I heard fear of the Lord. And, um, and so um, in Proverbs 4, verses 6 and 7, it says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt wisdom, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. And the New Living Translation says it this way, that getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Love wisdom, and she will make you great and give you honor. That word honor means nobility and dignity. Think about that, and think about what the Lord is actually saying there. God is actually saying, I, I want you to be great. The desire that you, every one of us has for greatness has been put there by God. And he's saying this is actually a key towards this greatness, that you would make wisdom the principal thing. You would get wisdom. Do you know what it's like to be? To, to to be noble and to have dignity. When you walk in a room and you have these things, you have these characteristics of God, what happens is that the environment changes. So what was happening with this team that was up here is they were actually walking in the wisdom of the Lord and it was going before them and it was creating nobility and dignity that opened up the door for them to begin to minister, whereas other times they were not able to do that or other times other people that came did not have that on them. And so... These are, this is something that, that we want to walk in. But, the, but it, the word says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of this reality. The fear of the Lord is the key to intimately knowing God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's what it says. And, and knowledge of what? It's the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord is the, is the beginning of that. It's the onset. It's the initiation of that. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is one of the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That's in Isaiah eleven two. 2. There's seven spirits that, that Jesus, um, that the Holy Spirit manifested through Christ. And so Christ was walking in these seven spirits of God, and, this, and the fear of the Lord was one of them. And in Isaiah eleven three, 3, it says that Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. So out of the seven spirits and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, it, it, it lists all seven, including the fear of the Lord. And then the very next verse, the only one that it says that Jesus delighted himself in was the fear of the Lord. The word says that God dwells with those who fear him. Psalm 85, uh, 9 says this, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. How many of you want glory to dwell in our land? How many of you want glory to dwell in you? How, the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. And, and, and so we, these, these are the things that we want. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all of those around him there 's this interesting thing going on about uh revering God because i 've heard and 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 i i don 't hear it as much as I see it, but it 's like this generation um, they think that the reverence of God is religion like like holding God in reverence and 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 really having um, and carrying him and and approaching him with a, with a reverent heart and 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 esteeming him, with with their with uh, they think that, that that's just religion, but but very clearly uh, God says in His Word that, that that He's given us the prescription. He's like, this is how you're going to approach Me. This is how you're going to approach my presence because my presence is holy. I am holy. Last week we were talking about God holds the universe, which is billions of galaxies and billions, trillions, trillions upon trillions of of, of, of countless infinite stars in his hand. He holds all of that in his hand. I mean, this is not, he is not, he's not common. God is not common and he is not like us. I am all, you think I'm altogether like you, but he says, no, I'm, I'm actually not. But the beauty of the fact that I am God and you're not is that my heart is for you. And it says that his thoughts about us are as vast as all of the sand in the earth, now that's that's every beach, every desert. I mean, think about how many, how much sand there is. I mean, there's in in just a little bitty square like a shoebox. You've got billions of, of 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 sand. You've got little, any, 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 any. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't I can't have that many thoughts about anybody. You know, I mean, I think a lot about John, but um, you know, as I'm crushing on him twenty four seven, but. <clears throat> But I don't know if I can do billions, you know. Um, another reference about the fear of the Lord is um, is in Leviticus 10, um, where Aaron has a couple of sons, and their names are Nadab and Abihu. When you love those names. <laughs> so, so at this time, the priesthood—you've only really got six priests, right? So it's a pretty limited number. And um, and these two sons get a little crazy. Up in the tabernacle, <laughs> and um, and what did they do? They actually put um, fire in their censers, and um, and God has not commanded them to do this, but they 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 offered up fire to God without God commanding it, and the, and God said that it was profane fire before the Lord, and so um, he came down and he burnt them up. Now, that's rebellion, (laughs) you know, and if you're Aaron, you're like, God dang it, you kids, you crazy kids, Um, but Moses said this, Moses said this to Aaron, and he's, he's repeating to Aaron what the Lord had already said. He said, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. And so what he was doing is he was actually making um, a universal decree. He was making an eternal decree. God hasn't changed. Um, God hasn't all of a sudden because Jesus came, God said, Psh, I'm not holy anymore. A lot of times we think that what happens in the Old Testament doesn't actually apply in the New Testament, but actually, Jesus came, he died so that now we could approach God, and he has given us the grace to live this kind of life. He's given us the grace to be able to approach God and to glorify him as God. And so he's saying, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. Remember last week when we were um, when we were talking about David, and and David when he went to take his complaints to the Lord, he was saying, God, for Your name'sake, will You um, will You destroy my enemies, and will You raise me up out of the quagmire of my trouble? Will You uh, will You um, make me great so that all can see your glory through me so everything that david did all of the intimacy all of the all of the victories in his life and how he lived so incredibly victorious was because he had a heart that was that was after god's own heart right he didn't have a heart that was after god's own hand So what he was, everything in him was about glorifying God and making the name of God great. And so where is it in the New Testament? Because that was in the Old Testament. The disciples asked Jesus, how then shall we pray? Because what you're doing and how you're encountering God is different than, than what we've ever known. You are approaching him as the father. And so there's a relationship there that's very intimate between the Son, the Word, and the Father. And and, and Jesus said this, this is how I want you to pray. Pray, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so that word actually means to venerate, to esteem, to appreciate to uh, to uh, to hold in reverence to, and to respect him more than anything else, including yourself, that we would approach God as God and not as man. That we, because when I approach somebody, like I come up to a friend, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Hey, what's going on? Good to see. You. La, 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 la. hug you, I'm going to hug you, okay, I love you, I love you, you know, so there's a, there's a casual type of approach that you have, because this is your friend, and John, when I approached John, it's completely different, so we won't show you here, but... Um, <laughs> But, I mean, I know John very intimately, you know. And, I mean, so John and I approach one another. And, and it's a completely different way that I approach John than I approach uh, another friend. Because John and I are, know each other very intimately. And so, the, so, so it's the same thing with the Lord. I, um, I highly esteem my husband. And I love the picture that Jesus gives us of the marriage and how the marriage is a mystery of the relationship between Christ and his bride. And he said, he said, listen, I want you to honor your husbands and husbands. I want you to love your wives. And so he's talking about this love relationship because, ladies, don't you know that honoring your husband is, is, a, is a high form of esteem and love? But it's interesting that 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 relationship, Christ first loved us as husbands. You first love your wife and you create a landscape that she can spring and give you honor from. And so I so so uh, uh, John and I were having this conversation the other day and I said, you know, you have just loved me so well. You just I, I have have blossomed in your love. And, and, and I so appreciate, I mean, every day I'm like, thank you. Thank you, God, that you've given me a man that loves me and helps me to grow and come alive. And, and the desire of my heart now is that, is that not one day would go by where he did not feel loved and honored by me. That, that every time he walks in his house, I would esteem him. I would not casually approach him, but that I would get up from what I'm doing and the busyness of what I'm doing so that he knew that I saw him and I was acknowledging him and I was thankful for him and I'm embracing him. And I'm just saying, I'm so glad you're here. I've missed you today or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, there's just that, just that, uh, that you don't take that relationship for granted like it's nothing, like it's just a casual thing, but, but that he would feel honored by me. And I mean, I'm telling you, this is the way that we're called to live and anything less than that kind of marriage is really, you're, you're, you're hitting on the lowest form of love. But I, I, I really encourage you to, to try that. That when your husband walks in the house, you've got a huge smile and you're like, baby, you're home. Woo! Let the party begin. Come on, ladies. You know you can do it. <clears throat> Part of that honoring, by the way, is flirting. <clears throat> Come on. You got to get your flirt on and don't ever lose it. All right, uh, so Jesus taught his disciples uh, that you do not come into the presence of God unless you come in reverence. And I don't know how many of you have, have noticed this, but, um, you know, when you, when you go to prayer, you know when you're doing the lazy prayer, you know, and you're just like, and you're just kind of like, whatever, okay, I'm here, da-da-da-da-da, where are you, God? But if you actually come to God and you draw near to God in in reverence and um, really esteeming His name and and you approach Him in this way, what happens? He draws near to you all of a sudden, bam, presence of God. You can even do it in your car. I do it in my car and my, my my car just fills up with the glory of the Lord and the cloud, and you know it's like, okay, I gotta drive, but I can't drive." but I'm enjoying it. Pull over to the side of the road. <laughs> I remember my 16-year-old daughter told me one time, she was like, Mom, I was driving, and I had an open vision. And she starts telling me what she saw, and she's so excited about the encounter that she had with Jesus. I said, okay, well, let's reverse. You were driving? You're 16? <laughs> oh, my God, take the wheel. <laughs> So God wants intimacy, but he's saying here, listen, uh, uh, you know, you're going to be waiting there for a while if you treat me as common. Um, so what is the fear of the Lord? Um, when Moses was delivering Israel from Egypt, um, where was he taking them? Anybody? The desert, Right. Okay, he said. Oh, you, uh, he said to Pharaoh, you know, let my people go because I'm going to take them to the desert to worship the Lord. So he's taken them to the desert. Now, now Moses has already been there. He's already had the encounter with the bush and the burning bush, and um, not George Bush. And um, however that might. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So he has the encounter with the burning bush. And so what does he do? He goes to set. Uh, Israel free, right, out of captivity, and, and he's leading them to the promised land. But but before he takes them to the promised land, what does he want to do? He's like, listen, I had this encounter with God. It was amazing, and, and I, this is what I want for you. I want you to have this encounter because Moses, in his wisdom, He knew that if he took them first to the promised land, then they would see God who gives the promise, but they would not see God and encounter God, the promisor. And so they would actually make an idol out of the promises of God instead of having an encounter that transformed them into his likeness and and transformed them into that kind of encounter. How many of you have had an encounter with God and that was the very thing that set you in motion for the fear of the Lord? Like you, like you have that encounter, and you're like, wait a minute. That's just that's just overwhelming. It's kind of like marrying a man for money. You know? It's like, oh well, no, I just want to go to the promised land. I don't actually want to meet him I, uh, or be with him. I just Want to the stuff, but really, in a way, that's what we've done as the church. We've said, "Here are all of the things that God can do for you." But, but what about who God is? What about the knowledge of God? What about you, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, making His name great, glorifying God, and 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 God saying, "It really is about Me." Even though I want to bless you, even though I want to make you great, it really is about me. So it's an interesting uh, contrast between Moses and Israel because don't you remember Israel was always whining and complaining, I want to go back to Egypt. Well, they're slaves, but you notice you never hear Moses say that, right? I mean, Moses, (laughs) no offense, Israel and all of the slaves, but Moses was kind of a big deal. You know he was called the Prince of Egypt. He lived in the very biggest house in all of Egypt. He ate the very best food. he had a chariot that was that was the finest. He had the finest clothes he had the, he had the was he was around the most intelligent people in the land. But yet he was, because he was not the one saying and whining and complaining going, I want to go back to Egypt. But here you have all of the slaves who were beat. Their children were murdered. They were kept as slaves. They, 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 they were beaten. Their, their backs were bruised for 400 years. And they're the ones saying, I want to go back to Egypt. But it was, it was Moses that had the encounter. It was Moses that had the fear of the Lord. Moses, take your sandals off because the ground that you are on is holy. I am a holy God. He comes face to face with a holy God. And he's saying that, that there is nothing in this life that is more important than this relationship. Now, Moses gets them there, and he's so excited to make the introduction between Israel and God. And he comes down off the mountain, and he says to the people, and what's following him is this thick cloud, right? And he's like, it's going to happen, okay? You guys are going to get set free because he's, uh, you know, spent a little time with them. And he's like, they really need an encounter, stiff-necked people. And so um, he, he, the, the people see the cloud, the thick cloud. Coming near them. And what do they do? They scream and they run the other way. And Moses is like. Wait. wait, No. Come back. And he's like this is not what I expected to happen. And, and so he says this. In Exodus 20, 20. Do not fear for God has come to test you. That his may, fear may be before you. So that you may not sin. And you're like what don 't fear, but fear what are you saying here i 'm not sure, but he was saying listen don 't fear don 't fear don 't be afraid of god don 't be scared of god but 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 have a fear of God that is in you that 's going to protect you and keep you from sinning, and it 's going to be the very thing that gives you the eyes to see so that that you can live a great life, and you can be great in the land so that you can get wisdom. So the people, it says that the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Um, so there is a difference between being scared of God and having the fear of the Lord. One has something to hide. When you're scared of God and you're running from God, it's just like Adam and Eve in the garden. They were trying to hide themselves. But having the fear of the Lord, you are genuinely, genuinely terrified that God would remove his presence because you are so enraptured and in love and, and, and with, with this, this God, and you, you understand and you're growing in the knowledge of who he is, and you're understanding this is a love that I can't live without. And so um, one says, hide me, I'm so scared of God, and the other says, search me out, oh God. Search me out, because I don't want anything that separates me from the love of God. I don't want anything that separates me from this, this God of all of the universe, all of creation. Amen? And so you've got really these two types of people, those with and without the fear of the Lord. Those with seem really hungry for more. They're filled with hope and they're filled with joy. Um, And those without, a lot of times they seem very disillusioned. I mean, look at Israel. They were disillusioned. They were disappointed. And quite frankly, they were stuck. They were kind of stuck, weren't they? They they, they didn't go into the promised land and they didn't go back to Egypt. And so they're just stuck in this place of, of hanging out in the desert. I mean, that, I can't imagine a worse place to be. I mean, there's no golf back then. So, sand doesn't make any sense to you, right? So, wisdom will make you great and give you honor. So, what is the fear of the Lord? To be terrified to be separated from him so that we are mindful that, uh, that we live our lives before God. Even when we're not in this place, we live our lives before God. That means that we live our, the life of our mouth before God. That means we live the life of our, of our own um, Human condition before God and and having this kind of love and having this kind of fear of the Lord Really is the beginning of wisdom and I'm going to show you why When we fear God we love what he loves and we hate what he hates that is why It the Bible says that those who fear the Lord hate evil Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be more anointed? Okay, raise your hand you want to be more anointed, right? All of us. Well, this is what Hebrews 1 9 says. You have loved righteousness and you have hated evil, therefore, God has anointed you above and beyond your companions. Okay, let's review that. Because those that fear the Lord hate what he hates and loves what he loves. You will love righteousness and you will hate evil. Therefore, God has anointed you. If you want to know why, you want me to ask the Lord this question. Is there an issue here for me? Because I want to be more anointed so that I can serve you, so that the things that the the oily presence of God will be on me. Oil, anointing, that's oil. And oil makes an indelible mark in you. Have you ever tried to get oil out of carpet, you know? Okay, Jeremy has. Jeremy's actually a professional at getting everything you possibly imagine out of carpet. <laughs> Someday the Lord is going to give you hardwood floors. Um, and, I, and, I, and honestly, even if you tolerate sin in those around you, if you tolerate sin in your own life, and if you tolerate sin in those around you, how many of you have, like, a fear of man? I'm raising my hand because... I've really struggled with fear of man. So that means that when somebody is in sin, a lot of times I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to I don't want I don't want to I don't want to confront that and cuz, you know, but don't you know that whatever you fear, you will serve. If you fear man, you will serve man, and if you fear God, you will serve God. You will fe- whatever you fear, that's the thing that you're going to serve. And so I was just really convicted by the reality of this and, and, and saying, oh, God, I don't want to tolerate sin. And I don't want to do it not only for my, because I want to be anointed above and beyond, but, but honestly, I love all of my companions. And I want them to walk in the greatest level of anointing as well, right? So when we fear God, we tremble at his presence and at his word. What does it mean to tremble at his word? Okay, I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the one, two, three, four, five. I know y'all like that. Number one, if we obey him instantly is how we tremble at his word. Number two, if we obey him when it doesn't make sense. You know how he tells you to do stuff and you're like, what? Can we review God? Because I'm pretty sure that that is crazy. Like, Tracy, you go start a house of prayer. Oh, I don't like to pray. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, we obey him even when it hurts. You know, that time that he says, I want you to go do this, and it's going to come at a cost. Ouch. We obey him even when we don't see the benefit. You know how you're like, okay, I'm going to do it, but I really want to know what's in it for me. Number five, we obey him to completion. You know how some of us will will be obedient, like we'll be partially obedient, and we think that's like the whole thing? And it's like, okay, I'm going to go this far. But, man, it's getting hard, so I'm just not going to do it anymore. I want to go back to being a slave in Egypt because, you know, I'm a little afraid of the desert. Psalm 25, 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he shall show them his covenant. The New Living Translation says it this way. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. Friendship is reserved for those who fear him. I'm sorry. Um Psalm 25:14. So, this is what he's saying. Are you ready? He's saying I'm not everyone's friend. That includes the people in the church. Because remember when he said um He said this in John uh, 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And he said this, I I no longer do I call you servants. That means that he had to have called his disciples servants. But now I've spent a lot of time with you and and, and now I'm going to call you friends. Because you have shown me that your obedience and out of all of the people that I have spent time with, you guys are the last ones standing pretty much. And he said, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. And so he's talking about just the secret life that he has with those that are his friends, that, are, that is far beyond that that he has with his servants. Abraham is called in the Bible a friend of God that trembled at his word. When God told him, listen, I want you to sacrifice your son, this is the promise that he had waited 25 years for, right? His beloved son. And those of us who have children, we know that this is, this is just ridiculous. I mean, and, 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 and it pretty much covers the whole list of five that I just gave you. And, and so it, the word says that he woke up at first of dawn. He woke up first thing in the morning. He did not procrastinate, but he immediately took his son and started on the journey up the mountain. And the Lord said, as he was about to um, sacrifice his son, the Lord stopped him. He said, Stop, because now I know that you fear me. Shut up. You were willing, you, 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 you were, were in perfect obedience to my word. He did every single one of these. He obeyed him instantly. He obeyed him when it didn't make sense to to kill his son. He obeyed him even when it hurt. He obeyed him when he didn't see the benefit. He wasn't told anything other than to sacrifice his son, and he obeyed him to completion. And God said this, now I know, now I know that you are my friend. Now I know that you fear me, and therefore our relationship has just changed from servant to friend. And what does he do next? Uh, The ram comes up in the thicket, and Abraham goes, Abraham grabs himself, and he's like, it's Jehovah-Jireh. Well, it's the first time in the history of the Bible that that word has ever been mentioned, that that description of God has ever been mentioned. So God said, look, I've just revealed to you the revelation and the knowledge of who I am, that I am your provider. And then he does this. He comes back a little later and he said, hey, um, let me rephrase that. I want, you to look at, me, the, I want you to look at the relationship that he had with God um, when, when God shows up or when Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, shows up at the terabith tree. When he shows up there and he says, listen, um, Moses, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to let you in on my secrets about what I'm about to do. So um, Abraham, did I say Moses? Okay, I meant Abraham. Sorry, those guys. Um, So Abraham starts to, to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah, and he says, what if there's 50 righteous in the land? And he begins to go down, realizing, well, (laughs) 50 righteous. Okay, maybe that was a bad number because I'm not sure that I've been to Sodom and Gomorrah. And that may be a real stretch, you know. I mean, these are big cities. And so he gets all the way down to 10. And he gets God to agree. So he's bargaining with God. He's negotiating with God over what God's about to do because he's a friend of God, right? And so he said, if you just find 10 righteous. So God's like, you know what? You missed that 10, Mark. Basically, we've got Lot and his family. And the word said that Lot was a righteous man living in Sodom and Gomorrah. So through the intercession of Abraham, God sends in two angels to pull out Lot and his family. Think about this for your life. Think about what this would mean for your life. Now, you've got two righteous men. You've got Abraham and you've got Lot. Both of them are born again. Let's just put it in that description. But one is called a friend of God and the other isn't. Lot had no idea what was coming. But yet he was, it was told that he, it says that he was a righteous man. He's just living his life like la, 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 la. But he did not have God sharing with him the secrets of what he was about to do. He also didn't have the authority to begin to uh, uh, intercede for the salvation of many. And he said, God, will a lot would have been consumed by the fire had it not been for the intercession and the friendship that Abraham had with God. Don't you see the difference between these two Christians? I don't know about you, but in this hour, I think it is critical that we have this kind of relationship with God. So that we can be the ones that stand in the gap in intercession and say, God, do not destroy that city. And I believe that that is, in fact, a reality. If you are my friends, you will do whatever I command you. And then the very last scripture that I wanted to read over you is Ephesians 5:15 through 21. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise. But understand what is the will of the, what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another in the fear of God. I know that we all want this kind of relationship. You know? And I don't know about you, but I just, I want him to have what's rightfully his. And that's my my honor, that I would honor him every time I'm in his presence, that I would guard my mouth, that I would be very careful with how I carry myself before God. Because I want his presence. I want all that he is, you know? That love affair, that, that, um, that, that uh, friendship. I want to know his secrets. I want to be a trustworthy companion of his. Don't you? And so this morning, guys, I just want to take a second, and I just want to wait on the Lord. And really, if there's any place where you feel like you have grieved the heart of God, that you have grieved him or you have not, um, that you've not been walking in the fear of the Lord, I just want to give us a moment to um, just repent and, 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 and do business with God. And ask him to give us the grace to live this way. Because it looks a lot different than, you know, the, the urban outfitter's t-shirt with Jesus drinking, chugging a beer. You know? He, is, he has eyes like a flame of fire. He is, he is consumed with light. You know? And I'm not being religious. I'm, I'm just painting a picture for us that's hopefully a biblical picture. Are y'all hearing me so um, Mason would you put on some worship and dim the lights now we're all uh, celebrating Christ and 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 as a baby that came in a manger but God is saying I want to make you great you know I want to make you great and I want to give you wisdom that, that in your job, and people are like, are you kidding? We had all these problems, and you've just come up with the solution for it. How did you, how did you do that? How, how are you? And he's like, listen, I will make you noble, and I will give you dignity in these places. So, Father, I do. I just ask, God, that you would show us. Holy Spirit, show us any way that we have... Um, dishonored you with our words, with our actions. God, would you uh, come and and give us a revelation of of who you are, a greater revelation, Father. God, we don't want to be, we don't want to run from you. We don't want to be scared of you. But God, we want to have the fear of the Lord that causes a, a, just an unlocking and a passion in us where we have to have more that would cause us to run to you to your heart father we want to be like like abraham god we want to be that that the one that has the secrets of god that you call a friend god we want to be like moses that says we want the encounter we want these things god for our lives Father, your word says that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so this morning, we're just coming near to you, God. Would you come? We honor you. We honor you, God. We honor you. Father, you're the maker of heaven and earth. You hold everything in your hand. And by the word of your mouth, Father, everything in this universe is knit together. We just bless you, God. You're holy. You're holy.